Amen. How many of you glad to be here today? Amen. We love it. Come on, put your hands together. Give me praise. Welcome, Jesus. Scripture says in Psalm 47, verse 1, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Uh, I'm going to ask you if you would to stand with me one more time. going to get the reading of the Word of God before us. As we share today from Psalm 149, it's that passage right before the very last and final Psalm 150, which says, Praise ye the Lord, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How many of you have, are you breathing this morning? Are you here? Well, you know what? That's that's a reason right there to give God thanks. We learned last week that it's we enter into his presence. There's a pattern. It's thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Uh, the message in Psalm 100 says... We come in by the password, thank you. Everybody right now just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's it. That, that right there starts us on our way. It gets us into the amazing presence of God. Pastor Jeremy, love the man. I'm telling you, he said, man, I want this all the time. Do you know you can have this all the time? You can have this while you're working. You can have this. Whatever you're doing, the presence of God, like you experienced this morning, can be with us. So today, as we look at this, Psalm 149, reading from the ESV, let's do it together. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Father, we just ask you right now as we read that very provocative passage of scripture that that we have some kind of praise in our mouth that your word calls high praise. We just ask you today, Father, that as we've even experienced your presence that comes, because your word says that you dwell in the praises of your people. You abide, you join yourself, you sit down, you enthrone upon the praises of your people. We thank you for that. I just acknowledge before you and everyone standing here this morning that I can't do anything without you. I ask, O oh God, that even as the epistle of Peter says, that we speak as the oracles of God, Lord, that I would, uh, even as Pastor Alex prayed in our, in our warm-up this morning, give Pastor Mike Holy Ghost lips. God, I ask you for that. Whatever that is, let me have that. And Lord, let the people have ears to hear. Let us be quick to obey. And Lord, to be people who are doers of your word and not hearers only. We'll be careful to give you all the praise because you are the awesome God, the great God. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated together in the presence of the Lord. Very quick review, it's in your notes, it's all about His presence. Say that with me, it's all about His presence. Say it together, come on. It's all about His presence. His is God. We're talking about the presence of the Lord. Moses said in Exodus 33, if you're not going with us, we're not going. David, as we begin in this series, we talked about the tabernacle of David who began to hunger to bring the Ark of God back to Jerusalem because it had been captured by the Philistines. I'm not going to take time to tell that story. That's all in unit number one and installment one, celebrate number one. It's called the purpose of celebration. 
We talked about the tabernacle of David on Mount Zion, and it's not about a form or a style, but it's all about the presence of God. Last week, we looked at the biblically prescribed pattern that's all over the Word. It's stamped with threes. Psalm 22, I'm sorry, Proverbs 22 says, Have I not spoken to you in excellent things? Hebrew word excellent literally means threefold thing. And we talked about that stamp of threeness. God is one, but he is also trinity. It's a word that had to be made up. Trinity is a combination of three and one together. Three in one, unified. God is unified. He is one. The, 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 the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, The Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Okay, But we know that he's also represented in three, manifested in three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's made you in his image, spirit, soul, and body. And we went through that whole thing last week, and it's all over the word. We didn't even touch them. There's probably over 100 examples of the stamp of threeness in progression of maturity in God's word. The one that relates to worship is this, thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. And then into his very presence, John 4 says God is seeking worshipers. So it's thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Thanksgiving is what he's done for us. Praise is about who he is. Worship is intimacy with him himself. It's spirit to spirit. It is, it is not even necessary that words are spoken, but it's a communing on a spiritual level. It's an intimacy with very presence of God himself. It's, it's when you're at the last of your words. It's like that great, is it third day or mercy me, the word of God speak. You know, I find myself, I don't even have anything to say, and that's okay, the writer of the song, the song says. Word of God speak, pour down like rain. It's when you get into his presence that you begin to, to sense that voice of the Lord. It's not an audible one that comes from the outside, but the Bible talks about the still small voice that's on the inside in here. Many times in our circumstances like Elijah the prophet in 1 Kings chapter 19, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. There was a, an earthquake, but the voice of the Lord was not an earthquake. There was a wind, but it was not in the wind. And the, Elijah says his voice was the still small voice. It's that one that's down in here that you don't hear with the outer ear, but you hear with the ear of the Spirit. If you feel me this morning, say amen. amen. So we're talking about that kind of presence of God. There is a biblically prescribed pattern. So the question this morning as we jump into this is what will the effects be when I actually obey and do this? I've understood the purposes about his presence. The pattern is to get me into that. Because I, I, like Jeremy, I want this every day. I need this. I, I need this to help me, to guide me, to lead me. The, the children of Israel had an external GPS system. It was a cloud by day that air-conditioned them. It was a pillar of fire by night that kept them, it kept them warm because of heat radiation in the wilderness and the desert regions. So wherever the cloud moved, wherever the fire went, they went with it. And there is no longer an external system, but now because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside, the cloud has moved inside, and now I'm, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and I'm led by His Spirit. His Spirit is alive on the inside of me, and as we look at this question this morning, what will the effects be when I actually obey and do this? I want to show you an amazing story in the Old Testament, in the book of 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Chronicles and Kings both tell the same story. Kings literally is the history of the kings of Israel and Judah, but it's, it's written as a history particularly. Chronicles is written by prophets, so it's written with a whole different kind of a feel to it. 
and, and it's, it's, I want to just tell you that really, for years we've always thought that it was the kings that ruled in the Old Covenant, but really it was the prophet who brought the word of the Lord to the king. He was ruling behind the scenes. The, the, the king was the one who pronounced the judgment, who brought and executed the word of the Lord that came to the mouth of the prophet. And Jesus is the only one who is all of those three offices of the Old Testament. He is prophet, he is priest and king. See, that's another stamp of the threeness of God right there. Prophet, priest, and king. And so this morning, as we look to this, I have an amazing story that, that gives us the details of an absolutely crazy strategy. It's an unusual strategy. Nobody, nobody ever goes into a battle with the kind of strategy that Jehoshaphat has. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. It's been several generations now since the separation after Solomon and Jeroboam and Rehoboam separate, and the ten tribes to the north separate in Israel, and the two tribes to the south in Judah, and now we've got a divided kingdom. And the kings of Judah have revival pretty regularly. There was never revival in Israel from that point on. Wicked kings reigned after Solomon left the throne. Jehoshaphat is the story of one of these who was in touch with the presence of God. And like yourself, Jehoshaphat is seeking God, and he's wanting the blessing and the favor of the Lord on his life, and he's being attacked. In the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 30, this is the story that's there, and I'm just going to move down through some main events that take place if you look. What is the situation? Verses 1 and 2. We're not going to take time to read 30 verses. We don't have that much time this morning, so I'm going to tell you the story. The situation is this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Three nations have gathered themselves against Jehoshaphat and Judah. Jehoshaphat, literally his name, Shophat, is the Hebrew word for judge. Jeho, as you see in the very beginning, is the same part as Jehovah, which is an English transliteration of what we sang this morning. Yahweh, Yahweh, your name is holy. I love that, that need to breathe song. I, I've been wanting to do it for months, and I, I just said, we got to get that thing in there. When God revealed himself to Moses on the mountain, he spoke an unspeakable name. He said, I am that I am. And literally, if we put the English letters in, in, in the place of the, the pronunciation of the Hebrew, it would literally be Y-H-W-H. Try to say that right now. It's unspeakable. The name of God was so holy that the, the Jews wouldn't even say the name that God had revealed himself to, to Moses. It was the, I'm going to give you a $100 theological term here. It's, called, it's referred to as the holy tetragrammaton. It's the name of God. Y-H-W-H. And so in order to pronounce it, and because Jews believed it was so holy, they did not want to offend God in saying the holy name, so they came along and put in an A in between, and I'm saying A in English, it's not that in Hebrew. They put an A in between the Y and the H, and an E in between the W and the H, and they begin to say Yahweh. Everybody say that, say Yahweh. Yahweh. Now we say Yahweh because that's the English way to say it, but if you're a Hebrew, a Jew, you would say Yahweh. That bumped over into the English language, and it became Jehovah, okay? Jehovah, the Lord, as it's translated. Now, Jehoshaphat, God, Shaphat, God is judge. Now, how many of you know when you're leading the covenantal people of God, the, the, the nation called Judah, who knows what Judah's name means? Praise. praise. Everybody say praise. Judah means praise. Now, how many of you know when you already are dwelling in a country that's called praise, how many of you know you've got something going for you in the very beginning? 
Everybody say, Judah means praise. So you got a king on the throne, and his name means God is judge. How many of you know, ain't nobody else, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, God alone is the judge, and he will take care of his tribe called Judah that means praise. Come on, come on. Put your hands together and give me praise. Three nations gather against Judah for battle. It's going to be a smackdown. They're upset. The word comes, the envoys, the, the reconnaissance men, a part of Jehoshaphat's army, are coming and giving him reports. Three nations, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Munites. I don't have time to tell you about the history of these people because that's another message in itself. It goes all the way back to Lot. Sometimes situations cause us to birth things that will hurt us generations down the line. It's important that we make good decisions because the decisions I make today will not only affect me and my family, it will affect you because we're connected together in covenant. It will affect my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What is their response? Verses 3 and 4, Jehoshaphat and Judah gather to seek the Lord. How many of you know when you realize that this you're in a situation where you have absolutely no ability whatsoever to change it? It's not time to worry. It's time to begin to seek the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to seek the Lord. When you start to seek the Lord, you do what Jehoshaphat did. Verse 3 says he was afraid. How many of you know you can have circumstances that will array themselves around you that can cause you to begin to be in fear and trepidation and literally be dismayed? And how many of you know the last thing you need to do is just sit there and shake and play, but you need to get on your prayer bones and begin to call on the name of the Lord and seek the face of God. Come on, Seek the Lord. He was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord, and the Bible says he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. You know, when it gets desperate enough, sometimes you're willing to take desperate measures. Now, doing without meals doesn't impress God. Doing without meals does something in you that humbles you, that releases faith, that get God, gets God's attention. And so, when they set themselves to seek the Lord, they proclaimed a fast. And the Bible says in verse 4, In Judah, assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So basically, the king sends out a decree, and he says, Look, we in trouble, people, and it's time we call a national day of prayer. Give up your fried chicken and your, your baby back ribs, and call the name of the Lord with me. Well, it wasn't baby back ribs back then. That has to be the New Covenant version. They were, they were afraid. Get this principle right in your notes, fill in the blank. In any difficult circumstance, seeking God should be first. Too many times I hear people say this. Well, you know, I've tried everything else. I guess it's time to pray. How many of you know that's what you should do first? In difficult circumstances, seeking the face of God is what should take priority. Everybody say first. Get this principle. Then, in verses 5 through 12, Jehoshaphat gets before God and he begins to pray. He stands up in the presence of his nation and he begins to call on the name of the Lord. And he said, look, these are the people uh, of the man that you said was your friend, Abraham. Now, this is the land you promised to us. Jehoshaphat is standing there and he's recalling and he's bringing into remembrance the covenantal principles that God has said. Let me tell you something. You, you need to remind God of his word. It isn't because he's forgotten it. You just need to hear yourself confess the promise of God. Amen. You need to hear yourself say out of your mouth with faith, 
God, this is what you said. God, this is what you promised me. God, you gave us this land. This is the promised land. You set us here, and you said that we would possess it. And God, our enemies have gathered all around about us on every side. God, rise up and be the judge. Be Shaphat among this people. God, rise up and set these enemies down. And they begin to cry out to the name of the Lord. And, and Jehoshaphat is praying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction. And you will hear and say. I want to tell you something this morning. Some of you are facing circumstances. I had a friend come to me today in this room and said, I've got bad news this week, a bad health report. I mean, you know, that's the time when we and those that we know that will stand with us in faith and that we will begin to say, God, we trust you. You've, put your, you've written your name upon us. You've signed your name, your signature of the divine. Signature, sign nature. He signed his very nature as a sign right into you. He's got his mark on you. His image is on the inside of you. His DNA is in you. You were born by the very nature of God. A divine spark is on the inside of you because it's the very nature of Jesus. Something is in you that can't die. Something is in you that cannot fail. Just don't quit. Don't give up. Never lose faith. Never stop. Persevere. Keep on keeping on. When we get in a desperate place, desperate prayers cause us to focus. Next principle, desperate prayers cause us to focus. It helps us somehow eliminate all the distractions and we begin to prioritize and get our eyes on him and fix our attention and our gaze and our devotion upon him because we realize that we can't do without him. God, I have to have your presence. Are you hearing me this morning? And when the nation came together in the spirit of unity, there was a prophetic declaration, a prophet in the midst by the name of Jehaziel. Jehaziel stands up and in verses 13 through 17, he basically tells them at the end of it, he says, look, you're not even going to need to fight. This is not your battle. How many of you know when God is on your side, you're already in a majority? Come on, somebody. If God be for us, what? Who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question that doesn't even... Befit an answer because if God is on your side, it doesn't, you, know, you don't even have to give a rip what anybody else is thinking or saying because God is on your side. Yeah. The prophet stands up and he says, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. I love it. They even called the kids to fast. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeiel, son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. In the midst of the assembly, he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. Now, this is almost like some of the names in, in Arkansas. Go on down there by Tobesuck Ferry and then come back up there by Old Trump. <laughs> Ziz and Jeruel, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. What's the whole purpose of this whole series? It is all about the presence of God. I have to have it, not just on Sunday morning. Come on, this is not just a good mood I get in when I wake up on Sunday. This is all about having God's presence with me every day of my life. Tomorrow go out 
out against them, and the Lord will be with them. What is their response? Look at this. They worship. Everybody say, they worship. And you know what? It's one thing to pray. It's something else to get a prophetic word that comes forth and says, Thus saith the Lord. It's something else to respond to it properly. I love it. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, you know what? That sounds like a crazy service to me. How many of you know when you're desperate enough, you are not going to be worried about what somebody else thinks about it? You need God to move for you. It's amazing to me sometimes. I'm going to say something here. This is controversial from the beginning, so just get ready. It's amazing to me sometimes how folks will throw stones at a healing ministry until they get in a place where the doctor says there's no hope and they get willing to go see some of these folks. That's right, So just put your bag of rocks down and quit. I'm not even going to call any names. Just whatever the one is you that comes to mind. God forbid, I pray that the health of the Lord is always on your life and you don't have to resort. But how many of you know when, when all you have is trust in God? How many of you know you can get so desperate that you can start to say, God, I'm going to put my pride down. I'm going to humble myself. And God, I'm going to do whatever you say that I need to do because I want to live. <laughs> they worshiped. They fell down before the Lord and the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites and the Termites and the Stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I was just looking to see if you were listening. <laughs> Linda was. That's not in there. They worship. Remember, say they worship. I'm doing real good with my time. I'm almost finished. Here we go. The King's instructions. Look at this. If you don't get anything else out of what I'm saying today, remember 2 Chronicles 2020. Everybody say 2020 vision. You should get this word. You should understand this. Listen to what the King says. The news comes. Three nations are gathered. Jehoshaphat is afraid and he sets his face to seek the Lord and he issues a decree and he says there's going to be a fast. Come on, national day of prayer. Cry out to God with me. They cry out to God. In the midst of that, God stirs up the prophetic unction in the middle of a prophet by the name of Jehaziel. And he stands up and he says, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Go on out there and hold your position and stand firm. But you're not going to need to fight because God's going to show up and show out for you in your stead. They fall down and they worship. They respond properly. And the king backs, gets back up and he makes a decree. And it says, And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. You want 2020 vision in your life? I love the King James. It says it this way. <clears throat> Believe his prophets so shall you prosper. Now get this, make the connection. Prophets are visionaries. If you can hear this this morning, I'm speaking to your life and to your circumstance with a prophetic unction. If you can rise up and believe in faith, take hold of what you hear, the prophet of the Lord saying to you this morning, if you will believe in God, you will be established. If you believe his prophets, you will prosper. That's 2020 vision right there. You hear the proclamation of the visionary. 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. That's the king standing up and saying, look, I may be what we might call the natural final authority, but ultimately God is the authority over this covenant people. And he's just spoken through that prophet right there. And I'm saying as the king, I believe that. Now you folks believe the word of the Lord. Rise up in faith and believe in God and you will be established and believe his prophets and you will succeed. What's the result? My, 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 I love this. 
Verses 22 and 23 says, And when they began to sing praise. Mm -mm. When they began to sing praise. Look what happens. Look at the strategy. I just skipped a point and I got to go back. Look at the strategy. Verse 21. They put the praisers out in front of the army. Before they loaded up all their ammunition and their AK-47s and their tanks and their Apache helicopters and, and their hovering aircraft, before they loaded up everything that they could in the natural, they did something so crazy. They had a strategy that was absolutely never had been tried before. Anybody in natural battle plans would call this the most ridiculous thing they'd ever heard. Jehoshaphat set all the praisers out in front of the army. Look at this. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, if you can learn to be a praiser, you will be in front of the army. If you can be a praiser, God will bring you into a place of victory and he will fight your battles for you. Being a praiser means you're paying attention to what's coming out of your mouth. When pressures of circumstances begin to squeeze you, is it frustration and anger? Is it bitterness? Is it doubt and unbelief? Because let me tell you something. When you get squeezed, what's on the inside is going to come out of your mouth. It's a, you know, we're going to begin to get a real indication of what's on the inside of your heart. Because from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And is there praise that says, God is above all of this? Is there an acknowledgement that God has every bit of this in his hands, that God is for me in spite of an economy that everybody says is going to hell in a handbasket. The people of God can walk in blessing and not in lack. I need some of that this morning. I'm going to place myself. I'm trusting God. I'm going, God, I don't know what to do. God, you're going to have to move. God, I'm going to let praise come out of my mouth. I ask you in Jesus' name for divine provision. Show up, Lord. Make this your battle, O oh God. When they began to sing in praise, this was the result. The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting themselves to destruction. When they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. What am I saying to you this morning? If you keep your focus on God and you keep the the words of your mouth pure and praising him, he will literally confuse the enemy that's trying to come against you and he will cause them to amplify and says they were self-slaughtered. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. The Bible says, let the high praises of God be in your mouth. Psalm 149, verse 6. I believe high praises are necessary because there is, Ephesians 6, spiritual wickedness in high places. I believe I need high praise of God in my mouth because I have to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And with his praise, I bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Let me back up and get 10, 4 for you. Good buddy, 10, 4. <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strong the weapon of God in your mouth, your praise, your confession, a word spoken in faith. Come on, Proverbs says it all over the place multiple times. Death and life is in the power of what? Uh, 
We have to determine what's going to be spoken. Is it praise to God? Or is it something that produces fear and unbelief and doubt in the hearts of those that are listening to us around us? Let the high praise of God be in your mouth and the two-edged sword in your hand. And it says you will execute vengeance upon the people and judgments. You'll bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. We are not in a battle against flesh and blood. Many times the struggles you're having in your life are because the people that are coming against you are being animated by a spirit in a high place. If you can get your focus off the person that you think is trying to stand in opposition against you and begin to lift up your voice in prayer and say, Father, in Jesus' name, with the praise of God in my mouth and a two-edged sword. What's the two-edged sword? The double-edged sword is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Let the Word interpret itself. It's amazing how the Bible comes alive when you do that. High praises in my mouth, two-edged sword in my hand. That's the praise of God and the word of God. I'm speaking and confessing the word. I'm singing praise. I'm entering his presence with the password called thank you. What did he even have them do? Jehoshaphat said, get out there in front of this army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. When we do what he said do, he will show up the way he said he would show up. You sow a Bible principle, you will reap a Bible result. You do what God says do, and it's amazing how God will show up and take it. If you will take care of what God wants, he will make sure you have everything you need and all that you want. My, my, my. Mm. This, is, this is a good word. It's way better than the response I've got. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Listen, and I'm finished. Listen to the final outcome. Deliverance, spoils, and rest. And I'm doing great. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde. And behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. I love that. That's an, that is a, an allusion to the resurrection. Jesus Christ was three days in reaping everything back from death, hell, and the grave that had been stolen from humanity. And when he rose up, he brought it all with him and the keys in his hand. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka. For there they blessed the Lord. The name of it is the Valley of Blessing. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Blessing to this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. Everybody say, quiet! quiet. I love it when God shows up. When God shows up, he has a way of stopping the mouth of the enemy. The Bible says in, in, in Psalm 8-2, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength. Jesus quoted it in Matthew 21. He says, you have perfected praise to steal the enemy and the avenger. God will shut the mouth of the enemy in your life when you begin to lift up and give him praise. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all. How many of you need some of that? 
I, I, I've got some things arraying in battle against me. There are people in this room this morning that have heard a word. Reconnaissance has come and brought them a bad report from the doctor. And I would just, I would just ask everyone the question this morning, whatever you're facing. Psalm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 53 says, whose report have you believed? Will you believe the report of the Lord? Who hath believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. And surely we've not desired him. We've esteemed him stricken and smitten of God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Three days of spoiling. Everything you need, no matter your circumstance. Will you believe the report of the Lord that Jesus Christ has already finished it and paid for it? He died so that you could live. He was rejected so you could be accepted. He was bruised and beaten so you could be healed. Come on, he was made poor so you could be made rich. Second Corinthians chapter 8. I'm quoting scripture, folks. Jesus came and he poured it all out so that you could be filled full with the Spirit and the presence of his Father. He experienced the very rejection of God turning his back on him in that moment when he became the sin bearer for the sins of the world. And Jesus quoted himself on the cross, Psalm 22, My God, my God, Elohim, Elohim, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken so we could be accepted. This morning, every person under the sound of my voice, whatever your battle is, whatever the nations are that are arrayed against you, if it's a mental battle, if it's an emotional battle, if it's marital or relational, if it's financial, if it's health or physical, however you describe your battle, whatever those nations are, I'm going to tell you something. God is bigger than. And what you need to do right now this morning is not sit in trepidation or be scared or afraid. At the very end, at the very end of Jehoshaphat's prayer, I love this. He says it. This way, in verse 12, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You might not know your next step, but the important thing is not knowing the strategy as it is hearing the voice of the one who's going to get it to you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Gracious God and Father, thank you that you love us beyond description. There are people under the sound of my voice right now, numerous, which I have knowledge of. There are others that I don't even know what they're facing. And God, whether I know it or not is not the issue. It's whether or not you know it. And we know you do. The battle lines are drawn. The report has been shared. Now, God, we fall on our face before you right now because, we'll be honest, we're scared. We need your help. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to come on the scene and to speak to us and give us wisdom and vision and strategy. So let me back up a minute. Let me just say this to you today. If you're here this morning and you have never in your life Cross the line of faith to say, Jesus, save me. 
That right there is your first step. You can't win any battle until that one's been dealt with. Until you can say, God, I give you my heart. I'm, I'm not going to run from you any longer. I'm going to run to you. I'm going to run slap into you. And I ask you to lead me, touch me, change me. None of us in this room are good enough or worthy in any kind of way, any stretch of the imagination. God has set a standard that none of us can reach apart from his son, Jesus. None of us are good enough to earn or deserve the blessing that we're talking about today. It only comes because of God's favor. And he breathes life into us and he regenerates us. The wages of sin is death. I can go my own way. I can refuse to cry out to God and say, God, show me your will, show me your plan. And I can just think I can finagle it and I can do some creative ideas. Man, I've done those. If you're in a place where you feel like God has just brought you to the end of those, you have nothing left, and you, like Jehoshaphat, we don't know what we're going to do, God, but our eyes are on you. Jesus said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. This is John 3. Snakes had run out through the whole camp of Israel because the children of Israel were murmuring and God let loose fiery serpents and they were being bitten and they were dying. And Moses raised up a bronze snake on a pole and he told the people, look and live. Look and live. Jesus said, in the same way that Moses did that, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And what he was saying was, you know what? It's not about having all your theology right. It's not about understanding all of the soteriology of salvation. But it's just this. Look at the serpent on the pole. Look at the Savior on the cross. Look. Lift up and look and live. That's all you have to do. Just say three words. Jesus, save me. I want to ask you this morning with every head down, every eye closed. If you've never crossed that line of faith and you're here today and you'd like to take that step, if you'd like to be included in this prayer today, you know that you can't earn it or deserve it. You know that you need God to show up and fight the battle for you. You know you need Him to show up and deal with the sin in your life, save you so that heaven can be your home. Jesus can be your Savior. The Holy Spirit can dwell on the inside of you, give you a new nature, a new life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, would you just slip your hand up right now? Anybody in the room? Anyone at all? Yes, I see that one. That one hand. Thank you so much. Over in the corner. Anyone else today? Thank you, brother. Anybody else? All right. This morning, you know Jesus. You've been walking with the Lord. Every time I preach, I give the gospel and people a chance to respond. I give believers an opportunity to respond. Take, have a fresh start in Christ. You're in a situation, and right now, your situation can be summed up like Jehoshaphat's. I don't know what I'm going to do, but my eyes are on you. If that's you today, you want to include in this prayer, would you just slip your hand? That's me. I'm, mine's up. I need God to move in my life. Jesus, you see these hands. Thank you for the one brother who raised his hand across the line of faith and said, Jesus, save me. We ask you, O oh God, by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit that no man can do. Thank you that you touch that brother and you bring to him, O oh God, salvation. Out of death comes life in Jesus' name. As he repents and turns from his past and he turns to you and he runs to you in faith. Receive, my brother. Let, let a new nature and a new name be spoken over him. 
Lord, all of these today who've raised their hands and have said, like me and like Jehoshaphat, I don't know what I'm going to do, but my eyes are on you. Jesus, we set ourselves to seek your face. We're going to be Judah. We're going to be the people of praise. We're going to enter your presence with a password of thank you. We ask you, O oh God, to do what no man can do. Show up, Lord, and show out. Rout our enemies. Lord, they're financial. They're physical. Lord, for that one this week who got the word that as a cancer survivor that it's back, we ask in Jesus' name. The name of Jesus is higher than cancer. I ask in Jesus' name that you surround my sister. Every person in this room right now, the sound of my voice, that's struggling in their marriage, in their finances, in their job, in their business, in their home, and their health, all of this, oh God, whatever the nation's name is, thank you that Jesus is higher and this battle is not ours. With all of our hearts and our eyes upon you, and we say right now, we determine to give you praise. Say that with me. We determine to give you praise. Let's do it right now. Everybody stand to your feet. Come on, let's give God.